Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by E-Radio Show, the only podcast for Formula E. Today's episode is called Helmet Club. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. How's it going, Chris? Hey, Spanners, it's going pretty good. So today, we're just going to do an hour-long special about Grid Girls. You okay with that? Absolutely. Look, I know people might be wondering what our opinion on that whole debacle is, To be fair, the internet has covered it quite comprehensively, so I'm not going to talk about it. I could, but it's a subject, I think, Chris, that requires context, logic, and nuance. None of which are things we have. Well, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say the subject online has been very binary, frustratingly illogical, and very, very much populated by a lot of awful people saying strange and terrible things. But I'm over it. And in fairness... The topic is generally much more about politics uh, and society than it is about F1. So instead, let's talk about how you were three seconds a lap down on me at Daytona last weekend at the missed Apex karting event. Uh, No, no, I think uh, we should give this the same attitude and and sweep right along. Okay, fine. I'll admit (laughs) I'm not not a wet weather specialist. I will give you that very much. It's the first time. I've done like proper karting in the, in the wet. Oh, me too. And I wouldn't count anyone's performance there really to be indicative of how they are in a go-kart. I mean, it was fun. Oh my God, it was fun. But oh, that it was just horrific in those conditions, wasn't it? I know. I mean, there's that uh, long, long turn six, isn't there, at, at Daytona, where it's very, very nearly almost flat out in, in the dry. And you could not... I mean, even with the uh, all the breaks in the world, the thing just completely understeers. It's it's scary sometimes. Well, we had a good battle around that area as well. And we'd been told loads, hadn't we, beforehand, take the karting lines, much like Verstappen did in Interlagos. We take the outside line away from where the rubber has gone down. And I think you were trying to do that and stick to that. Whereas I, in the end, I couldn't do it and I just gave up. 
and I was just diving for the apexes, stopping, trying to slowly point it in the right direction, and then pressing the accelerator. And I think that kind of gave me the edge over you. Well, I was trying to be smooth, and it didn't quite work because my right foot is heavier than something very heavy. Than is required uh, I, in the wet. Yeah, it's not It's not great. I mean, I wish, I wish I was wearing a GoPro because I had some pretty awesome slides, if I do say so myself. Now, you and I, though, we are doing a Bradley Philpot masterclass. We're doing it as a YouTube video, and we're doing it out in the real world, not in the shed. Yeah, it's, it's hugely exciting. Uh, but before we mention that, I would like to just mention that I out-qualified you, though. Um, anyway... Yes, we are doing this masterclass live. It's going to be a hugely exciting thing. And I, we even uh, get to go in Brad's sim as a sort of preparation uh, for it. And then we go and do like actual karting uh, live with, uh, with a proper racing driver, driving instructor. I'm hugely excited for it. Well, what we were going to do was he was going to give us both lessons. But I think given my relative skill to you, what we've said is that Brad is just going to focus on you and his mission is to get you to beat me. I think that's fine. I mean, I'm very beatable, but I think I generally kind of stick to the right lines and et cetera, et cetera. But I had a go on his sim. He's got this new sim set up for iRacing. Absolutely incredible three screen setup with all the Gucci gear that you'd expect Bradley Philpot would have. And he gave me about an hour and a half tuition over my shoulder. And I have to tell you, there's a reason that all the top F1 media guys that we that we have on here who've been to Palmer Sport and had him as an instructor, there's a reason they all gush over him. The guy is so enthusiastic. He breaks it down in easy chunks. He isn't afraid to say you're wrong, but he's over your shoulder. He's living the lap with you. And I can't wait till you get in that chair and have a go on his sim because it's a, it's a real treat. So you had the private karting lesson and now you've had a private sim lesson as well. You're not giving me much of a chance here, Spanners. Well, it's all about the positions you put yourself in, and that's the position I put myself in. But anyway. Of being able to just nip over to Bradley Philpott's house in your car that I don't have. Okay, so you should learn to drive. But also, the last thing on the Masterclass is we have now secured from one of our listeners a drone camera for the filming. So we're going to have a nice drone up in the air filming us. But it is important to know that we are an independent podcast hosted by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. Somebody on Twitter earlier said, please, please don't sell out to the motorsport.com juggernaut. We love you being independent. And I was like, yes, I love our independence. But have you seen money? It can literally buy you happiness. We have guests on today. Joining us first is Nick Alexander. How's it going, Nick? Going very well. You're cracking me up as always, Spanners. Good. You feeling confident about the quiz? I am feeling not at all confident. Join the club. Normally I host them, but uh, as you'll find out later, I am one of the gladiators in the quiz arena with you. We also have Ryan Ferret Ferris. How's it going, Ryan? Oh, it's going brilliant as always, Spanners. And special guest, Chris Capman-Turner, Quizmaster for this evening. How's it going, Chris? Ah, oh, it's fantastic to be back in the shed. I missed you guys. Well, not everyone misses you. Van Jean hates you. Oh. Chris Stevens hates you for all your quiz questions. Each one has come with its own controversies, Chris. Ah, it's because none of them have as much knowledge as me. Bring it on. I, I believe that. I think that's true. So what's the format this time? Because you did once inexplicably come on here and say I had to give the most wrong answer I possibly could. Is this a sane formatted quiz this week? To be fair, I thought that would be an easier for, um, format for you to get right, Spanners. So 
This one, we've got a lot of general knowledge questions from the 2017 season, so you won't have to stretch your brain too far. Ryan's there rolling his eyes back. Ryan only knows about 1985 to 1996. Uh, well, there's no questions about Senna this time. Sorry, buddy. So, and... okay. So I think we're just doing a straight question format, aren't you? We're going to start off easy and then ramp up a bit harder. Absolutely. Yep. They're going to get really tough by the end. Okay. And speaking of getting harder, tell me about your helmet club. So yeah, the helmet club. So it's a, it's a little initiative that I've started. It's a, it's a charity initiative and we are raising money for the Ronald McDonald house charity. They looked after me when my little boy was sick and um, we're trying to make, raise as much money as possible. We're doing a simulator race on Project Cars 2 on PS4 to run directly alongside the Le Mans 24 Hours this year. And it's going to be fantastic. And I'm hoping for at least one, if not two, teams from Miss Apex to come along and uh, take it on. Okay, so who have you got coming at the moment? You've got um, Alex Van Jean and yep, I think hopefully. quite possibly Bradley Philpott as well. Yeah, if it doesn't clash with his, uh, his actual real racing, then that's perfect. Bad news, um, he's, uh, he's, his calendar has just got a bit bigger, but hopefully he'll be yeah. there. I am going to ask my wife's permission, but you should see her face. When I said to her the other day, I just want to skip off work for the afternoon to go and play uh, simulator at Bradley Philpott's house. You're like, you're going to leave work to go play a video game. You are a 37-year-old professional father of two. Uh, so can I go and play video games for 24 hours? Might not go down too well, but where, where are you doing it? Um, we're doing it at a place in Kent. It's just in a little IT place. They've um, given us the venue, they're catering it, and they're putting on uh, some beds for us as well. So it'd be fantastic. You should tell your wife that if she doesn't let you do it, because it's for charity, she's really mean. Really lay it on for her. She is causing specific harm by by stopping that happening okay cool and, right. and when it's close to the time you'll come on as well and we'll try and get see if we can get some listener teams involved in the meantime if you are interested in doing that get hold of catman at catman f1 on twitter i think uh, or email me at uh, spannersready at gmail.com just register your interest and we'll give you more details all right on with the quiz Oh boy, over to you, Catman. Okay, so we'll start as is traditional at round one, the general knowledge round from the 2017 season. There will be two questions each and one point per question. And I've got Nick to go first. Sorry, buddy. Just, That's uh... okay. That, <laughs> I would almost rather go first. If everyone had gone and gotten their questions right immediately, the pressure would be on to keep the streak going. Ah, you can put pressure on them. So your first question who was the only driver who raced in every race in 2017 to score zero points? Uh, that would be Marcus Ericsson. That's right. Marcus, get in the C, Ericsson. Boom. And your second question, which driver scored the only podium finish for a team other than Ferrari, Mercedes or Red Bull in 2017? You're still on me? Yep. Okay, it is Lance Stroll. Perfect. Two out of two. He's put the pressure on there, Chris. Okay, so we'll go to Ryan next. Ryan, no questions about Senna. Who was the only driver other than Lewis Hamilton to score a perfect weekend? That means the pole position, fastest lap and the race win. Verstappen? No, it was Valtteri Bottas at Abu Dhabi. So it was the last race of the season. (laughs) And your second question, who gave Sebastian Vettel a ride back after crashing into Lance Stroll after the chequered flag in Malaysia? 
I absolutely loved that incident. What a way to get taken out of a race and to finish. <laughs> get randomly taken out uh, on the parade lap. <laughs> Was it Verline? Correct. So one out of two. Perfect. Oh, come right on. I now. Just, who, is it me next, Chris? You're not going to torture me to be last, are you? Absolutely, Spanners. Uh, it's Chris next. Are we Here keeping we strict score? Is Catman keeping score? I'm, Whoa. I'm all over it. What are I you trying to say that my scoring isn't perfect? I just wanted to make sure somebody was keeping score. I'm not keeping track. I have got a spreadsheet that's automatically updating it for you. I am that prepared. All right, Chris. Hello. Here you go. Which driver spun behind the safety car during the Chinese Grand Prix? Valtteri Bottas. Oh, that's too easy, surely. Ah, I told oh. you they start easy and they get harder. Which driver scored the most third place finishes in 2017? Oh, that's a good one. Um, is it Bottas again? No, I do like Bottas, but not that much. It's Danny Ricardo with oh, seven. That's my other option. It was either going to be him or Max, wasn't it? Yeah, so Ricardo was seven, Raikkonen was five, Bottas four, and Verstappen only got one. Cool. With Nick getting two and the other two getting one, I'm really going to need that six-point head start we agreed on. That's right. And you got that email with all of your quiz answers, uh, right? You got right it in front, advance. They're right in front of me. Don't worry about it. You know which side your bread's buttered. Perfect. Spanners, in what position did Lewis Hamilton finish when he clinched his fourth world title in Mexico? Ah, right. He wasn't on the podium. I remember that much. And he also, he collided with, he got a puncher off of Vettel, didn't he? So where did he climb his way back up to? Vettel was second, I think. Bottas was third. Oh, no. Stalling. I actually don't remember where he finished, but I think it was sixth. Oh, turn that number upside down. Oh, no, it was ninth. ninth. <laughs> Good question. Well and done. Your second one. Who was the last world champion before Nico Rosberg that did not return to defend his title the following year? Well, now then, the temptation is to go for El Lion-O, Big Red 5, because he went off to IndyCar, did he? Is there a more he, recent one than that? Oh. That's the question. I'm going to go for... Oh, see, your face. You shouldn't do a face. You definitely did a face there, didn't you? There's people at home screaming. All right, hang on a second. All right, let's go for... Yeah, I'm going to go for Mansell. That was my instinct. Mansell. Oh, so you're saying Mansell. He won the title in 92 and did go to IndyCar in 93. But ah. Alan Prost won the title in 93 and then went home and sat and watched it on TV in 94. Of course he did. So uh, no need to recap the scores at this point. I suggest swiftly moving on to round two without making a, a song and dance. We could talk about... Who's oh. first and who's last until the cows come home? Oh, well, if you're not first, you're last. So, sorry, Nick is first. <laughs> okay. Round two, the replacements round. There were lots of driver changes this year, but can you remember who replaced who? We have one question each and two points per question. So you've got plenty of time to uh, get this back, Spanners. Okay. So, Nick, which driver replaced Felipe Massa in Hungary? Paul Resta. Correct. That is shocking. Right. Everybody who's listening now, just keep a track of the relative difficulties of this, these questions. All right. Just just want you to keep a track of it. That's all. I was thinking the same thing, to be fair. Yeah. You know, it's, he, he paid me a lot of money for this, so it's all good. <laughs> Ryan, 
which driver replaced Fernando Alonso at the Monaco Grand Prix? Jensen Button. Of course. And he uh, he did a little whittle in his seat. So uh, that was awesome to come back to, I imagine. Chris, which driver replaced Daniel Kvyat at Toro Rosso when he was first fired? When he was first fired, uh, Pierre Gasly. Correct. Actually, it was the same both times because Hartley replaced somebody else. They swapped anyway. the over, though, didn't they? Because they Gasly did. went into Sainz's car and then Brendan Hartley went into Kvyat's car and yeah. inherited his luck. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I asked it that way around, because I couldn't quite work out whose cast was whose. <laughs> oh, um, uh, Chris, uh, you slash American in the chat room is saying it's who replaced whom. Oh, sorry. An American can speak better English than me. That's not a surprise. That Don't be racist, Chris. Come on. I'm not. I was saying that I'm pretty stupid. Anyway. We're not so... <laughs> Spatters. Which driver replaced Pascal Verline while he recovered from his neck injury at the beginning of the season? Oh, it's completely gone from my brain. I'm going to have to pass, I think, unless I can pull something out of my behind. Chat room. Uh, no, unless I can stall for the... <laughs> no, actually, the chat room has said they had de- have deliberately delayed answering in case <laughs> anybody comes in. And uh, that is definitely not my keyboard going, ah, complete mind blank. Uh, hold on. He crashed. He crashed a lot. Well, oh, that's quite a, that's a clue. Thank you. I will take that. Uh, the very handsome uh, Giovanazzi. Fantastic. I didn't want you to get zero points the whole way through, so you can take I two off. I didn't get clues. <laughs> <laughs> Again, money talks, money talks. Round three is the team radio round. So 2017 was a vintage year for team radio, but can you remember who said what? I shall read each player one quote, completely deadpan, without any impersonations, as funny as they would be. And you have to remember who said it and where. You get two points for the driver and one point for which race he said it at. Nick, here goes. Hey, hey, steering wheel. Somebody tell him to give it to me. Come on. (laughs) It doesn't quite, you didn't quite sell it. Uh, but I do like the deadpan approach. One of the best bits of audio in F1 history, to be honest. Well, actually, deadpan is a Kimi Raikkonen impersonation. <laughs> oh, maybe I should have done it a bit more animated. Um, so it was Kimi Raikkonen, and I think it was at Singapore. Oh, it was Kimi Raikkonen, but it was at Baku. Oh, so okay. only two points for you there. There goes my perfect score. Ah, oh, shame. Brian, the driver said, where is Palmer? The team said, Palmer has retired. And the driver said back, Karma. I would have got all these. That was Fernando Alonso. And I want to say Mexico? Nope. It was in Italy because he skipped the chicane and uh, Alonso was pretty miffed. So two points for you, Chris. You're not paying with your life here. The tire's completely gone. Uh, that was uh, Rogro in oh, Austin. Another one I'd have got. Perfect. Okay, so um, in the chat room, Christopher Fonseca says, don't worry, Chris Stevens, Spanner's only got an intelligence ballast for my clue in the last question. <laughs> That's right. Go on then, hit me with it, hit me with it. I'm very bad at this. Come on. Okay, you, you, you keep going. You got them all. You really should get this one. No pressure or anything. When did I do dangerous driving? 
can you give me an explanation when I did dangerous driving? Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel at Baku. And that made it for me. Not only did he do that inexplicable thing, but he just did the, the toddler. What? No, I didn't, you know, and like with the crumbs all around his mouth and everything. I didn't eat anything. <laughs> yeah, it's not like there's video evidence from five <laughs> different angles. <laughs> okay, so should we do a, a scores recap coming into the final round? Okay, so I Nick, think we should, yeah, personally. <laughs> Nick and Chris, you're both on six. Ryan and Spanners, you're both on five. So it's all to play for because in this final round, it's one hard question with multiple parts, but scoring up to five points per question. So basically, the rest of the quiz has been totally pointless up to this stage. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's clarify that. But first of all, we're all getting told off by our video man. So can Catman and Nick both move to their right-hand side slightly? Yeah, perfect, Catman. Brilliant. And perfect also, Nick. All right, explain that point system again in case anyone missed it. Okay, so there is one question with multiple parts. It's going to be hard. You can score up to five points per question. I will detail each question, how much you score for each bit. Let's roll. Sweet. So, Nick, Esteban Ocon holds the record for the most consecutive race finishes from the beginning of his career. How many did he finish before he got taken out by Roman Grosjean? You get a full five points for the correct number of races and three points for two either way. And this is just for Formula One. It doesn't go back into a previous series or anything, I assume. Yeah, I'm not that geeky. Okay. I mean, I am, but uh, that's not the point. I mean, that's quality stalling. If you're going to stall, phrase right. it as a question. Right, because I know the answer both ways. I just oh, okay. Sure. Um, wow, cocky. <laughs> no, I, I certainly don't. I'm glad that I convinced you, though. I'm going to say 18. Oh, sorry. It's a big fat zero because he scored 27 race finishes in a row. Oh. Oh. That's sad. Could that be the end for Nick? I think it is. So what does he finish on? <laughs> he finishes on six points. He finishes on six points. Oh, I just Ryan won the last one. To be honest, I just don't want Ryan to win again. I don't like him that much. Okay. Well, here comes his question. Only two drivers from teams outside the big three, that's Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari, set a fastest lap of the race this year. Who were they and where were they set? You get one point for the driver, one point for the circuit, and one extra if you get everything correct. So is one of them Fernando Alonso at Hungary? Yep. And uh, the other one was, I'm going to have to go with something like Hulkenberg. I know it's not right, but I'm going to have to go with Hulkenberg, but I couldn't tell you what circuit Oh, I was I was willing you on there. I wanted Spanners to hate you even more. It was Alonso and Hungary. That was brilliant. But it was Perez at Monaco, which oh, I wanted is to not see a Perez. Oh, it's not a circuit I would have thought they would be particularly <clears throat> good at. But apparently you must have slapped some tyres on or something. No, anyway, so that is two points for you, Ryan. So you finish on seven. So Nick's out. <laughs> Nick is out of the running for the win. Sucks to be Nick. I have won before, so... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I did, well, that I'm face. happy I didn't embarrass myself. I got some right. <laughs> and you didn't need clues from Catman, a sympathy clue. But is there a time bonus? I feel like I answered the fastest. <laughs> let's let's see how the edit plays out, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Insert pause, multiple seconds. Go on, Catman, let's roll. Okay, so Chris, 
The four senior drivers came together in two races year this year. Which were they? You get two points for each race and one extra for both. It was um, Baku and Spa. Well done. Yes, that is absolutely right. So oh, yeah. you get a whopping five points, which takes you up to 11. Boom. Which and I don't know how good your maths is, Spanners, but uh, you're, you're on right. five so far. And there's five for this, this question. So let's see how we go. When was the last pole position for Kimi Raikkonen before Monaco 2017? You get two points for the year, two for the circuit, and one for where his teammate qualified. What? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> for where his teammate qualified? This is why everyone hates you. Ah, oh, I hope you've enjoyed your appearance on this week's Missed Apex. See you in July. Um, right, no. Okay, okay. so I'm going to go for it. It's been a long, long time since he has had a pole. So I'm going to go for 2007. He lie, he's not very good at the corners. He's probably all right at going in a straight line. So let's say Monza and his teammate Massa qualified third. Oh, God, I want to give you all the points in the world <laughs> for that. It was unfortunately 2008. Oh. It was at Mangi And the reason why I asked the final bit is because Massa qualified second. And this was the last time Ferrari had a 1-2 on the grid back in 2008. Yeah, well, that's because they keep picking weak number two drivers. And if they if they want two proper drivers, they can have one-twos. <laughs> there you go. So that <laughs> means, so, wait a minute, does that mean we have a winner? Yeah, it does mean that we have a winner and we also have a loser. So, Chris, I, you got I, 11 points, so you're the winner. I, I won a quiz about my expert, expert subject. Yeah, actually, it's a good point. You are a journalist who covers every single second of Formula One. Had you not won, that would have been an utter disgrace. So run through the rest of the order there, Catman. So the, the first of the losers is Ryan with seven. In third place with six points is Nick. Oh, no. And Spanners. If I take off the two points I virtually gave you, <laughs> that would give you three. Fantastic. And I, I will wear that disgrace with honour. Chris Catman Turner, also curator of the Helmet Club. Uh, where can people find you online? You can find me at CatmanF1 on Twitter. Um, and you can find me on Missed Apex. Sometimes you can also find me at F1 Fanatic and also at www.helmetclub.co.uk. Thank you very much. And thank you to your little daughter for not making a peep throughout the whole show. He's a little boy, but never mind. Oh, no. Yeah, I really know my <laughs> I know my panel. <laughs> Catman, thank you very much for that quiz. We'll see you soon, buddy. Bye. Sorry, the best part of that, the best part of that was your, oh no. Yeah, because it, I don't know why I said daughter. I knew full well he's that got is, a son. That's that a... my new ringtone. Oh, like, no. oh no. All right then, let's have a little look at some. Big Dirty News. All right then, Nick, why don't you tell us why tall people have a sense of entitlement and they think the world should do them a favour, even though no one ever gave me a stepladder at basketball, extra reach at badminton. Why do those lanky, tree-shaped gits think they deserve a helping hand? Right. So I am six foot two. So clearly, <laughs> again, you know your panel. Um, I believe this section of the show is where the chat room is going to immediately correct me. But I was listening to the um, It's All About the Money episode of Missed Apex podcast, and you guys were discussing the added weight 
of the Halo after you install it. And so um, there's a comment from Force India that the weight after you install the Halo is going to be about 14 extra kilograms. Um, and in response, the FIA has raised the weight of the car by six kilograms. So um, obviously there's another eight kilograms, more or less, that needs to be saved. Um, and some of the drivers um, are being looked at to possibly lose weight, especially the, um, you know, the taller drivers, which begs the question, how, ma- how much exactly do the drivers weigh? Who are the heavier drivers? Um, because they're going to be the ones that are looked at uh, to lose the most weight. And long story short, I looked for the weights and I couldn't find them. Well, just from kind of the top of my head, Hulkenberg is the one that springs to mind as one of the taller drivers. Um, I think uh, science as well, actually, because I know he was one earlier on in the hybrid era uh, who was who was struggling with the weight a little bit more uh, and, and went on a mass diet, like a scary mass um, diet. Um, who I think Seb is tallish. Brendan Hartley is actually six feet tall. Brendan Hartley is giant. That guy is huge, actually. That's a good shout. Who else is? Oh, um, Marcus is a lot taller than Pascal. We heard about that so much at the end of last season that it was worth like four tenths of a second or something. Isn't Grosjean one of them as well? Grosjean, I've never thought of him as a tall person, but I've never thought of him as a short person either. He actually has complained saying that this will affect him. But to be fair, he complains about everything. But he's a lot taller than K-Mag, which is, I think is a fair, a fair comment. But Nick, isn't it kind of news in itself that you couldn't find that information? Right. So um, you guys talked on the last episode about how these guys are athletes. It's a physical sport. Um, why can't there be an ideal height and weight for the athlete? And if you go to the official website for any sporting league, you can look at the teams, you can look at the rosters, you can find their height and weight. If you're watching the NFL, um, the Super Bowl is today, holiday in America, practically. You go to the NFL, you can watch the combine. The people before they even enter the league, you can see how fast they run 40 yards, how many pull-ups they can do, how much they can bench, yada, yada, yada. You go to F1.com, you go to Red Bull Racing's website, nothing. Um, You go to the WRC, you go to WEC, you go on their websites, you try to find the height and weight of their drivers. There's nothing. Um, I went and I pulled out the catalog or the program for the six hours of CODA that I went to to see maybe if you bought the program at the race, if there would be physical stats of the drivers. And there's just absolutely nothing. So if if this is athletics and they are athletes, then how come we don't know anything about that, really? Uh, Chris, I suppose the answer might be that that tells you something about how the teams are having to adapt the car around the driver. Oh, very much so. I mean, it, it comes down to everything from the overall weight and how that affects the balance of the car to how the driver sits and where you put the pedals. You know, it, it, it has a, a big impact. I mean, you look at when Jensen and Lewis were teammates uh, in 2010, for example, at McLaren, you know, they would have had two very different cockpits. Uh, I feel because Jensen is a, a giant compared to Lewis, but they do sometimes every now and then tell you the weight of a driver. If in say like qualifying, there's a low period and they show, they show a driver. Usually that little graphic comes up in the corner of the screen. And sometimes that has the weight on it. 
But I, I like that that idea, Nick, that there should be maybe a little bit more talk about the weight of the drivers. Yes, absolutely. And um, so there was an article on Autosport um, by Adam Cooper, which came out on January 20th, that I don't think you guys saw before the show, but it looks like in 2019 they're going to be introducing a minimum weight for the driver in the seat. It's going to be uh, 80 kilograms combined. I'm not sure how much the seat exactly weighs, but hopefully that will kind of take some of the pressure off uh, for the heavier drivers to lose weight. Or on the flip side, for the lighter drivers, you can only lose so much um, because it's just going to get added back on anyway. Yeah, so I think the general idea is they can't put pressure on the driver to lose additional weight because the driver, as long as he's under the minimum driver seat weight, he's okay. I think in the past, they could have said, okay, even though you're a perfectly reasonable weight, if you lose weight, we can then add on an aero part or something like that. So separating out like that means the pressure is is off the actual driver. But it's interesting what you said, Chris, about weight distribution. We were getting ready to go karting and I was saying to the guys um, in our karting WhatsApp groups, we've got Bradley Philpott in there, a very fast karter called uh, Craig McAllister and Alex Van Jean. Now, I did a practice session at the British Rental Car Championship that I was commentating on, and they let me have a practice session. And it was mostly pointing to which side I wanted people to overtake me on, because I was very much in the way in that practice session. But I was observing, and it was observed, that I was a bit too pointy, that I was oversteering a lot. And I said, yeah, I generally find I oversteer. And they said, oh, you might want to move your seat position back a little bit. Uh, Where do you have your seat position now? I said, well... I'm I'm five foot six and I have little legs even for a five foot six guy. So I get straight in the seat. I whack it all the way forward. And they, was, they just replied, no, that is the, the worst. Because apparently that then gives you a cart that is oversteering and it's faster to have one that is slightly understeering. Uh, and they just went, why don't you just move the pedals back? The pedals. I didn't know. All this time, I didn't know you could move the pedals back in a go-kart. I thought I was just having to shift myself forward to reach them, Chris. Uh, but yeah, really, really um, interesting stuff. And it's something that people feel like the physicality shouldn't matter. But it is a sport. So the, the physicality in my mind, as we said last week, I feel like it, it should matter. Because there are sports around the world where there is a correct size and shape to be. If you want to be a 100-meter sprint champion, you really need the twitch gene that I've heard people talking about that comes from uh, guys from sort of Caribbean uh, ancestry. They have a, a gene that makes their muscle twitch very fast. And without that, you can't win the 100 meters. So what is wrong with saying, well, if you're eight foot tall, unfortunately, that disadvantages you in motorsport? I, I think that's a that's a fair comment. How did I describe it in the, in the last show? Is it like a, a great sporting philosophical question? that there probably isn't a right or wrong uh, answer to. It just kind of ebbs and flows. Um, I mean, th- there are some some great stories about g- giant people who are in motorsport, like Loris Baz in the MotoGP, and he's about six foot eight. And, and he is a massive aerodynamic hindrance on the bike, which is just <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, especially when you've got people like Danny Pedrosa who are like five foot four on the, on the same grid. So... It does have an impact. So why 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 should you level the playing field, really? You know, which is it's an interesting one. You know, sometimes I love having a live chat room. Sometimes you read this. Where is it? Here we go. 
Oh, says James Fennell. So that explains why you aren't Bradley Philpott's banners. The pedals. Yes, I understand. That is only one of my many deficits. And here we go as well. Uh, Artemy X says, physicality matters until our new Robo Race overlords finally start driving in circles. And do you know what, Chris, though? After driving in The Sims... Uh, sorry, The Sims, in the sim at Bradley's place and, and to seeing how realistic it felt, it's not inconceivable to say that one day there will be a motorsport series where it is driven remotely. Because, frankly, that steering wheel that they have in the car there, I'm not pulling on any wires and dragging tyres around anywhere, am I? I'm putting instructions into a computer. So it's it's not inconceivable that you could have a series with just a guy guy sitting in the pits in the cockpit. Well, we already have that. It's eSports. Yeah. Well, esports, but with a physical with, car. With, so you, and and, and how many of us watch that? Well, for no, now, I hate esports just as a concept. <gasps> what? How can you and... hate e- esports as a concept? That is ridiculous, right? And also, right, we're going to invite we're going to invite the guy, the CEO from iRacing, to come on here and have an argument with you because he's very outspoken uh, about people like you, you old fuddy duddies. There, there is a sporting element, Nick, though, isn't it? Yes, you might not have the, the danger of life and limb, but there is a genuine sporting element. I was just laughing to myself for a moment there, thinking of all the emails you're going to get because of Chris's <laughs> comments. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> no, I, look, I like, you know, video games. I'm a big video game fan. I just don't get why you need a championship of video. Who's going to watch people play a video game that I could just go and play myself? You know, which is completely different to watching, you know, Formula One. They're like, oh, I'm just going to go and nip out in my Formula One car. Um, I'm I'm not sure, but I think that StarCraft is actually televised in South Korea. So there definitely is audiences for different games in different places. And I may not watch esports myself, but it has it has its appeal. There was um there was the Counter Strike. Uh, world championship that was on television, which is crazy. Ryan, what do you think about esports? I think it's it's good for people who uh, don't have the money to get into motorsport, and you know it doesn't cost so much to get a racing wheel and a game and do some online racing. So, from that point of view, and it's also a way of getting into the sport, as we've seen with the likes of. Yeah, Mardenborough, without having to spend loads of money. Yeah, Chris, you're getting absolutely slated in the chat room. There are immense amounts of people and money involved in esports. You'd be surprised. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, something... That's not an argument for esports, though. That's, that's a, there's a market for esports. Doesn't mean it's a good thing. Okay, put it this way. If you have esports that has a physical manifestation on track. So uh, I work in engineering. Safety does not just mean the safety of the human being. It also means safety of equipment, safety of your financial output. So if you have really high tech machines out there, there is still a danger element, which is that you are affecting your team by wrecking that equipment. So there's still a financial danger. There's a financial element, but it just takes away the the risk of ever, ever seeing anybody hurt on track. Which all sounds well and good, but I don't think that will sell as much as actual motorsport. Nick? I have to agree with Chris. I mean, we were just talking about the importance of the physical element, and I know you're trying to like kind of reverse engineer it back in. I don't know if you're suggesting maybe you crash in sim racing and somebody tases you or something like that with with the taser setting, you know, incremental based on the severity of the crash. Like, oh, that was a four. (laughs) You're going to get it. Um, But I'd rather watch the real thing myself. Fair enough. But in the chat room, Craig McAllister, who is the guy I was referring to that went to the Missed Apex event, the top three drivers at Missed Apex Podcast's MK karting event were all esports drivers of some distinction. And certainly, if you had seen what Phil Pop posted in our WhatsApp group, it was a race where he was online and none other than Lando Norris was sat in that race as well. So this is a very serious format that professional racing drivers consider worthy of honing their skills on, Chris, and you're just dismissing it. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I enjoy, you know, playing those games and getting competitive. With the racing line on. Yep. Okay. No, I, no only in one game. Uh, the rest of them, I, I don't. I've only ever seen you with one game with a racing line on. It's because I only really ever play that one game. <laughs> you, know, in, you know, in Brad Sim, there is no racing line option at all in... Yes, in iRacing, just just warning I you. I did an esports. Well, it was, actually, it wasn't an it wasn't an esports because esports wasn't really a thing back then. But I did a sim uh, championship in a full motion sim uh, in in a place that was local to here, and I came like sixth in that, which was all right. Okay, this is not over. The chat room's blown up. They're very passionate about this. Send me your emails. Tell me exactly what you think about Chris Stevens' comments and my comments. And 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 let let's have let's have a proper proper conversation about the future of esports as a sport because I think it's got a heck of a lot of potential. Email me spannersready at gmail.com or just tweet, tweet us uh, at mistapexf1 at c underscore journo. Oh, what is it? C Stevens underscore journal. Yeah, or me at, uh, at spannersready on Twitter as well. Let's find out from Ryan though what you think of mentoring in formula one obviously you have benefited from my mentoring here in the missed apex podcast project uh, but does it happen in formula one and does it happen at williams well according to lance stroll no it does not happen at williams and uh, this was lance stroll talking to autosport some point this week pretty much saying that 
Felipe Massa didn't help him whatsoever this season or uh, come across as a mentor. And he hates the fact that people seem to be thinking that as he's a rookie and Massa is on his way, he's gone, that he was going to be this mentor figure. And he claims it wasn't. And so pretty much he went off to Watersport and told all this, to which Massa posted on Twitter, Lance Stroll, keep yourself to yourself, and wasn't happy with his claims. Chris, what do you make of it? Um, I think it's a fair comment, really. I mean, why would Felipe help him, really? It's not really kind of his his duty to do it. Uh, it was more kind of down to Lance to just see what he was doing and utilise that for himself, not for Felipe to kind of offer it. But Felipe did say that some point during the season... He did say in an interview that he's like the fact that he's going to be to Lance Stroll like Michael Schumacher was to him when he started his career and that he learned a lot from Michael Schumacher and so he wants to pass on stuff towards Lance. And so Lance has now come out and said, no, he said nothing. And so that's where the offences sort of come from. I'm probably going to get some hate mail for this. Maybe, maybe not. But I find it a little bit rich. Uh, Felipe Massa comparing himself to Michael Schumacher in any capacity that's favorable. Um, I can. I don't know that we'll ever know what was said between them, you know, in the locker room, so to speak. I could see him doing some mentoring kind of out of a loyalty to Williams, just as coming out of retirement kind of initially seemed like doing it out of loyalty to Williams. But it also seemed for most of the back half of the season, Felipe was preoccupied with trying to keep his seat. Um, and I can see how maybe he wasn't doing any mentoring in the back half. I mean, he was pretty bitter and making some pretty bold statements about how the other drivers that they were evaluating were, were crap, basically. He was. He was fighting and clawing for that seat. And I completely agree. I think that Massa was doing everything he could to keep that seat. He didn't want to retire the season before. He wanted to hang on to the seat for 2018 as well. He does not strike me as somebody who would help Lance Stroll kind of... Because he would have looked really bad, I think, if Stroll had come from nowhere and suddenly started beating him. I don't think people would be saying... Wow, that's because the sage, wise old Felipe Massa took it upon himself to mentor this young pup and feed him from his own breast until he was fast enough to beat him. I think people would say that is an indication of Felipe Massa not being fast enough for the sport. So I don't think he had any motivation at all to do it. So I tend to believe Lance Stroll. Not that I'm a massive fan of Lance Stroll or anything like that. But however, you do get the feeling that he is a nice straight up person who is well aware that his position in the sport uh, he is there earnestly trying with the best advantages in the world tell you what if no one else has got anything on that why don't we get some q and a so earlier in the week we asked people if they wanted to ask the panel anything and it could be about formula one it could be about the crew, but we have got a list of Twitter and Slack group questions. Live stream, feel free to ask us anything you like. You can ask us about the panel that aren't here as well, because crucially, they're not here to defend themselves. So the first question we had is from Chris Millsap. Spanners, what would you name Force India to? And what do you think it will be changed to? So at the moment, Chris Stevens, uh, they are going for Force One. To me, at the moment... Because it's so close to Force India, 
it sounds to me as if like in a game where they don't have the copyright and they change all the names to like Muxades and Force One and Ferranchi or something like that. So I think tweaking it to Force One feels, I think janky is the right word. Probably, but it is the most likely option and it's the the most the one with the most continuity I, w- I would say that fits in with what's remaining at that team if i were going to rename it i'd call it chris stevens gp just for fun I, I thought was it wasn't it accidentally leaked that it was going to be changed to force racing or something along the lines because they put the copyright in for it in november well the the thing in the official entry list they're still listed down as sahara force india formula one team so that's the confusing thing about it. They'll probably get a name change in the next few weeks, I would imagine. Sam Watley has just cracked me up in, in the chat room and suggested force extradition. Okay, Sam Harper says, do you think any team is actually in danger of pulling out of F1 in the next year for any reason, financial or otherwise? Well, we have the usual suspects, don't we? We have Sauber, I suppose. Um, and you only have to look at Williams to realise even what midfield teams feel they have to do to survive. It's a bit strange because obviously they took Sorokin over, well, everyone knows it's for money, but they reckon he did an amazing job in the young driver test, but uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I haven't really seen anything on that. But uh, from what I heard, they've been making some sort of profit as a team and so to get even more money uh, uh, sort of, and then probably come out with the exact same mediocre car would be a bit i don't know but one team i'd sort of wonder if we'd see go would be red bull because aren't they tied to getting the honda so if the honda turns out to be rubbish are they suddenly going to be going oh no we're going to pull out of the sport because we're not going to have a good engine chris i'm hearing optimistic things though from the energy drink sort of fraternity that perhaps Honda, they think, might be good. Yes, but Honda have been saying the, the same thing for the last three years, and it's 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 not turned out. It's been very little evidence to suggest that it's going to, to change anytime soon. As for the, the rest of the teams, up until very recently, I would have said there were a few teams that are, are, are at risk, but right now there seems to be some stability. Uh, I mean, you look at the teams at the bat, Sauber, they've got that Alfa Romeo sponsorship now, some good backing with that as well. You know, I, I, that set them up for the short term, I think. Um, Williams, Williams, I feel like their decision to take on more money has more to do with development than survival. So I, I don't see them um, going anywhere. I think, you know, otherwise, most of them have got kind of good manufacturer status. I mean, Red Bull were the only team to make a profit in, in, in Formula One last year. Um, so they in terms of finances are absolutely fine if they want to pull out because the things aren't going their way or Ferrari want to do that as well. Um, then that's up to them, but I couldn't possibly predict that. Um, I am still waiting on Mercedes to pull out of formula one and focus on formula E, uh, fully, but I suppose that depends on the direction that formula one goes in, in the future. No, it was I... a, it was a, a serious, uh, thing that could have happened until sort of Formula One uh, agreed it needs to go in a different direction. I can't see Mercedes going in the very near future 
But obviously, no. Formula One goes in eras and huge regulation changes and stuff. I fully expect them to dominate for the next few years. They've got a massive handle on the the hybrid engine. But it's not just that. People focus on that. They also have huge resources. And as far as I can tell, and I'd like somebody in the industry to tell me how right I am, Mercedes strike me as a real engineering firm. And by real engineering firm, I mean they do proper uh, departmental engineering, they process problems, and they throw a sheer weight of engineering processing power at their development. And I think that uh, is is where people should really fear them. Yes, they've got an engine advantage, but I think even if you had engine parity at the moment, people would be disappointed that Mercedes was still able to just problem solve much better than any other outfit because apart from being a racing team, and uh, I'm not taking away from their racing pedigree, they are an engineering team first and foremost. Um, right, let's go to the next question, which is sort of related. In fact, here we go. Here's one that is related. Mike Doyle says, is the Honda going to finish ahead of the McLaren in Australia? Go on then, Chris. I don't think so. I mean, it's going to come down to reliability, really. In terms of performance, i put that Renault ahead of um, the Honda. I mean, I know we haven't seen anything on track, but just given the form, um, I would I would say that's probably yeah. the case. So reliability. I mean, McLaren, certainly we would all rate McLaren as a better outfit than Toro Rosso. And Most we have definitely. all been rating, uh, Nick, we've all been rating Renault as a better engine than Honda. So it would be a really a disaster if McLaren didn't manage to beat Toro Rosso in Australia. Right. Yeah, I was. I think I'd answer that question with I don't know, um, but Thanks I certainly hope not because <laughs> I think in our wildest dreams for next season, you have McLaren up at the front in the mix, maybe you know a podium here and there, and if they can't even beat Toro Rosso, then I think the season's worse off for it. See, I'm quite curious about this one because last season when McLaren started getting some of the updates to the engine a lot of people were saying that they weren't far off from being bang on the uh, bang on the money and if that is the case and they do come into pre-season testing having done the development needed then they will be i think the Honda engine would be a force to be reckoned with but thinking about McLaren they have got a good chassis set up and this season hopefully a good engine so one hopes that it's going to be more in the points than usual. All right, I'm going to combine this topic with the next question because that's just the kind of skilled segue I'm now capable of. TV ready, spanners ready, if anyone's listening. Uh, Sam Watley says, is Lando Norris the world's smallest robot? Well, in order to answer that, we would have to find out if he is programmed to not cause any harm to human beings or not allow human beings to come to any harm through inaction, I suppose. Um, but his relevant question was, what constitutes a good season for Stroll, Sirotkin and Sainz? But let's put Honda, uh, sorry, let's put McLaren into that question as well. What is success for McLaren this season, Chris? So at the end of the season... This time next year, we're looking at anything less than X is a fail. If McLaren aren't on rebel pace by sort of midpoint, three-quarter mark uh, season, then I would consider that a disappointment. I'd be surprised if they were on rebel's pace immediately, given that he's a brand spanking new uh, engine to them. So I wouldn't expect them to finish ahead of them in the constructors, but as long as they, they end up on their pace... For McLaren, that is a success. Nick? So uh, we've discussed this before that Red Bull 
will often come into the beginning of the season not having done much in the offseason, but then just develops and develops and develops. So I would almost expect McLaren to be closer in the beginning of the season rather than later in the season. I don't think they're going to be really fighting with Red Bull for third. I think that would be unbelievable, but I think they should really be aiming for fourth. And if they can get fourth in the constructors by the, by all is said and done, I think that would be a success. And I think anything less wouldn't because they say they have the best chassis on the grid and they said Honda, you know, that's our problem. So we'll give you a little bit of, time to integrate but i mean if you're not in fourth then all your excuses were were a bunch of bs last year i think that's sort of where you, you'd have your mercedes your ferrari then you know, red bull i mean i i in terms of that starting the season week uh, as they have done the past few years i would really hope that they are having a a change on that and aiming to have a really strong start to the season because they probably could have fought for the championship last year if they had ended the started the season with the car they ended on. Okay, so, so yeah, but McLaren have said they've got a great chassis. So if they've got a great chassis and they're good at doing that, and now they've got the Renault, Spain. There we go. That's a good track to come in with upgrades, having seen the new season. Uh, now you've got no excuses. You've got aero, you've got the engine. Then you've got Canada, and also you have Monaco. So you've got that real batch of tracks where you can really see like a full range of what your F1 car needs to do in the season. That will be a test for them. Okay, so what constitutes success for uh, your North American, Nick? Therefore, what constitutes a good season for Stroll and Sirotkin? What do you so, want from... Obviously, you support Stroll because you're North American. So what do you want from Obviously. I, I think you're going to compare them to each other, really. Obviously, they're in the same team. Um, they have similar experience levels. I think for Sorokin to be rated as having a good season, I think with all the negative press of Stroll, I think he's really going to like have to hand it to him. I yeah, think Sorokin would have I to agree. beat Stroll decisively. He beats him by a little bit. I think people are, like yourself are going to say that's just further evidence that Stroll is terrible. <laughs> now, now, not terrible, but it's just what are the chances? Just it's, undeserving. <laughs> it's, it's undeserving. What To me, it's statistical. So what are the chances to me that somebody like Stroll or Palmer is going to have all the advantages financially and also happen to have the natural ability to then go on and be a champion. And that's why people like Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, who have kind of fought through from a lower level, there's kind of a natural selection process there. Whereas for Palmer and for Stroll, there's been no real selection process. They were pre-selected based on their finances. So the, the chances that they were ever going to really be a top-class driver are much reduced. So I don't, I don't resent Stroll for that because if I was his dad, I would definitely, if I was a billionaire, 100% tree face is in a go-kart now on his way to f1 i don't resent anything from that and, and chris the thing is that family and and the, the and lance himself go about it in the right way so i'm not resenting him at all yeah i think we we forget that lance is a european formula 3 champion uh although there remains question marks about how much the finances played into uh that uh as well in terms of testing um, but for, for either, I don't know. I mean, Stroll's got to pick up the pace, but then kind of how do you measure that? Basically, Sorokin, Sorokin can can get good, strong points and maybe not crash so much. You know, he's got to be able to um, bring the car home, uh, unlike a lot of uh, a lot of rookies. Yeah, um, I see. So I worry about that clean- tactic. I worry about that tactic because that is Stroll's tactic. 
So Stroll's tactic is the the slow and steady wins the race kind of thing, and that's how he picked up those headline topics. I think I think Nick is right. I think Shirotsky's got to come in there and he's got to smash him on pace, beat him every qualifying, completely outpace him, and then when Stroll does get those attrition results, which I fully expect him to, because I think Stroll understands who he is, then uh, you know then. He's still got that record of saying, no, I smashed him. All right, back to our Q&A. We have Cody Coretti, who says, at Spanners and to all the panellists, what is the most disgusting thing you've ever eaten? I suppose we did say uh, anything. And also, what is your favourite and least favourite features of your car? And that one was directed at me. I do have an answer for that. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Evangelos Etokaraikos says, rich and fast. Two words for you, Tony Stark. Stroll isn't Tony Stark, and he never will be. All right, come on. Who's who's had a thing that's particularly disgusting that they've eaten? Snails aren't really nice. I had those in Paris once, and they're horrible. See, there's the thing is, the the question is really should be in two parts. What's the most disgusting thing that you were supposed to eat that you've eaten and then (laughs) did not like? Uh, And what is a thing that you really shouldn't have eaten, but you decided to, therefore it is no surprise? Oh, um, tree bark. Wow. No, but apparently uh, this was, I cannot possibly remember what the circumstances and the situation was, but I I think it might've been like some survivalist experience thing. And they say like, Oh, you eat the tree bark. The tree bark's really good for you. It's full of nutrition. So I ate some tree bark and it was just the worst thing ever. But did your headache go away? That's willow tree bark, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, science. Yeah, we just no, science that. Talking, so it, it it will never go away. So, uh, what is the best features of your car, at least and favourite? I've got a good answer for this because, okay, right, I am pretty boring. I'm a 37-year-old father of two, and I don't want a sports car on the road. In fact, recently, I had one of those new Mini Coopers uh, as a courtesy car because a drunk driver smashed into my car while it was parked. And this Mini Cooper, it had torque at the bottom end. You felt like you were in a go-kart. It flew around. And it was it was actually, you think, oh, I wouldn't, that would be quite fun on a large go-kart track. But you don't want that in a road car, especially when you spend, say, seven, eight hours a week in it. You want a really comfy car. So I went and bought a fairly modest and boring Peugeot 2008. And it is like driving a cushion to work. It is... It is a commute that a happy kitten dreams of while sleeping on a fluffy bag of rainbows. Doesn't stop you trying to kill us when you took us to the karting, though, in that car. That's because I had Alex Van Jean and other top carters behind me, and I didn't want them to think I was driving slowly. Also, I didn't see the speed bump. Anyway, um, (laughs) it it does have one feature that I don't like, and I I will say I love the car for the price. It's it's a, a brilliant commute car. But you, uh, you, what you do is you buy your coffee from the Costa or whatever. You have a sip of it and you go, hmm, lovely. Uh, I will enjoy this mochaccino on my journey. You put it in the cop holder, which is in front of the gear stick. You head off down the motorway. And when you're settled in, you think, oh, I will have another sip of my coffee. Now I'm fully in control of this vehicle. Going into fifth gear blocks the cup holder. So the gear stick is fully in the way and locks your cup of coffee in. So you have to go down to fourth gear to take a sip of coffee. And t- to me, that's that's an an incorrect feature. Ryan, uh, you have an MX-5. Whoa. No, no I do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know your panel so well. Wait a minute. So Ryan's, yeah, but Ryan's insulted by that. So surely now you hate Ryan as well. Well, I want to know what he thinks the worst feature of my car is then. Shoot, Ryan. Oh, the fight, worst fight. feature of your car is the rust. 
<laughs> which which oh, and which, emissions? Which I edition have, MX5 is it? I have no, the that's NT. I have a 2016. A 20 oh, is uh, so what, 2016. Is it hard? Is it the uh, hard top model or the soft top model? No, it's the soft top model, and that's actually one of the best features because I can get the top down in about two seconds. I mean, I hit a red light. I even like just slow down to like 20 miles an hour, and that top is going down. Um, live in North Carolina, which has pretty warm weather, so I get to use that um, year round. I take the top down every month, and uh, the worst feature I'm it's thinking. Low. It's going to be the price of the tires that I'm going to have to replace much sooner than I did on my last car. <laughs> Wait, how much? The Pretenders or the uh, Yokohamas? Uh, they're Pretenders. How much are they? I don't know, but my last car was a Volkswagen Jetta. So I'm imagining the tires are probably going to be twice as much and last half as long. Look, so I'm spending four times as much. We're going to have to stop here because we're making Chris jealous because okay. inexplicably, even though he is a, an adult human, he does not own or drive a car. No, the car I'm learning to drive in, uh, my my little Clio. With a racing line. <laughs> Squat. Sick. Heads up display racing line. <laughs> oh, it's for, it, you know, it's from 2007 and it has a cassette player. That's the Whoa! <laughs> oh, it's the best thing ever. It's got amazing steering because it's just so light. I can do it with one finger. But the worst thing about it is the Cro-Magnum suspension on it. I cannot understand for the life of me why this tiny little family hatchback has got the suspension off of a GT car. Hey, it's an F1 show, guys. I know it's the off season, but we do have some Formula One questions. The chat room is definitely enjoying that that little segment, but so that's my- fine. Okay, on Twitter, we had a question from David Smith on Twitter. And we'll point this at Chris. Following on from the Grid Girls issue. Was there something about Grid Girls in the news? How come there have never been any, brackets, openly, close brackets, gay F1 drivers or team principals? It's a fascinating question, Chris. I know in football, I mean, we've certainly had high-profile cases of people being hounded out of changing rooms or being very much in fear of the terraces. You would like to think that Formula One crowds would be a lot less bothered by an openly homosexual driver. But why haven't we seen them? I mean, statistically, we absolutely must have had gay F1 drivers. Yeah, absolutely. And I could I could talk, talk about some very recent and current uh, F1 drivers that, that, you know, there are uh, rumors about them. But frankly, it's none of our business. So I'm I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but there, there was um, a, a driver from sixties uh, or seventies, uh, Michael Butler, I think it was pronounced, and I think he's sort of credited as the only openly gay F one um, driver. But why, why don't we see it? Um, I, I think back to what Danny Watts said when he uh, came out, uh, which was that it's it's such a hyper masculine environment, you know, and it, it it's that's intimidating. You know, if people don't feel comfortable, then they're not going to talk about that sort of stuff. But surely, like after the first one or two, it would just become normal. But it takes, I suppose it's easy to say, well, you're a rich, fantastic superstar driver. You can take that on the chin. But when you're there in that bubble and you're already being criticized for everything you do anyway, it must be Mm -hmm. incredibly tempting just to go, do you know what? I don't need to be the guy. I don't need to be the guy that takes the 
homophobic windshield for the generations uh, to come. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's funny when Danny came out, I was sort of expecting there to be a flurry of uh, other uh, news to come out in in relation to that, but no, it hasn't hasn't really happened, has it? Okay, let's move on to our next Q and A. Uh, here we go. I've been a Kimmy fan since Spa 02, says Matthew Turner. He, does he stand any chance in 2018? As a massive fan, I watch him with grim resignation now. Oh, Nick, I mean, people have been really optimistic about Kimi Raikkonen for the last three or four seasons. And I think going in with Sebastian Vettel has really obviously hurt his reputation not only was he struggling to keep up with Vettel, he was struggling to keep his place in Ferrari at all. Um, now, am I wrong? Here's my, no, my panel thing. You are a, a Kimi Räikkönen apologist as well, are you? No, I'm not. I wasn't going to really <sighs> that was, say anything that was a nice Neil, wasn't about it? <laughs> 2018. No, I'm a Vettel fan. Ah, uh, that's um, right. I, I think, I think unfortunately he's obviously passed it. He needs to go. Um, I think the final nail in the coffin for any argument for Kimi was, failing to win from pole in Monaco with, I mean, I, I just think you have to win. He didn't win any races. I just, I don't see it. To be fair to Kimmy on that one though, that was more of a team thing. I think to put Seb in front. I don't, I don't think so. I think he, I think if he was fast enough, they wouldn't have even had the option to do that. Uh, I think with Raikkonen, you know, I felt that he didn't have the fire in his belly anymore, but then he's came out. Now I don't know if it's because he's got somewhat sound aggressive coming into this season, but he's come out saying that as Sebastian had the chance last season of winning the title, he wants to win the uh, title this season. But I don't know if that's just media mumbo jumbo. Every driver is going to say that they have a chance to finish as high as they possibly can. So, I mean, I just don't take a lot of stock in statements like that, I guess. Uh, I just want to clarify one thing from Peter Yannick. He says lots of gay people are hyper-masculine. Gay does not mean girly. Chris Stevens was definitely not suggesting that from many offline chats. I think what Chris meant was it's hyper-masculine for the reaction, the reaction that they would get being overly, hyperly masculine. So I think that's what he was going for. The quote that that Danny um, used uh, when when he came out. So I I think that's more about uh, stereotypes than anything else we have more q a questions brian moore says should mclaren swap lando norris for david coulthard as their reserve uh, test an f2 driver in light of their respective race of champions performances uh, however it has to be said quite interesting chris no current formula one drivers in the race of champions do you think that was to do with the fact that you can very easily get injured at the race of champions yes <laughs> Yes, I yeah. do. Yes, I think that was very much the case. Um, no, I don't think they should swap DC for Lando Norris. Lando is the 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 next big thing, and I'm hugely excited to see what it will do in F2 um, this year. Yeah, DC, you know, obviously a, a wise old head, but I I, I think uh, he 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 doesn't want that anymore. I don't think you know the in and the out and the constant and the can we get another fifty laps? Oh, another fifty laps? Are you joking? I, I, I'm actually very excited about Lando Norris and the prospect because we, we've seen, as Catman said with uh, his quiz, we've seen a lot of replacements. And we now know, I think l- l- last year, it was quite common to see people like subbing in. I feel like 
in the past in Formula One, they would do absolutely everything to keep those first two drivers in the seats. I think it's less of an issue now. And I wonder that if they do pick these reserve drivers now with race drives in mind. So there is a very real possibility that we could see Lando Norris in, especially if McLaren are doing absolute garbage this season and Fernando Alonso's sports car things look much more appealing on any given weekend. There's a chance that we see who a lot of people are seeing is Britain's next big thing in a Grand Prix seat this season. So that is definitely something to look forward to. Guys, I think it's been a fantastic show. It's been a great quiz. It's such a shame that the edit got rid of the points and the final tally at the end. That's a real shame, but you know, that's that the edit goes how it goes. Um, and also a great chat. I love the fact that we have an engaged community who will give us these questions to answer. I think we'll do it maybe a couple more times during the off season as well. Um, but let's uh, go around the room and just see where people can find people. Nick, where are you online? I am mostly on the Miss Apex Slack. So I definitely encourage you to consider contributing on Patreon and come talk to me. We've got a nice little channel on there for running, biking, swimming, fitness. That's uh, growing all the time. Really a supportive group. And I, I never want to sell the Slack group at all uh, or make it a feature. That's, that's that's not what we did. We we had people, you know, contributing I, to us on Patreon. And I, I wanted a place to put these people together. And we did Slack. And I, I've met people in real life who are in that Slack group. And they have said really nice things about that community. Right. So to be fair, I contribute to the Patreon. And I am one of the people that met Spanners. And it went okay sounds like so and i don't get any of this money i just that's where i mostly am i'm on twitter i'm at luminosity 871 but i'm not tweeting all that much ryan where can people find you apart from a darkened corner of a miserable grebo bar somewhere in southwest london <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter at ferret 115 that is it not et and you can also find me at the same handle on instagram at where i post pictures of cars motorsport related stuff and i'm going to the race retro event later on this month so you'll find more racing related photos on there and chris stevens where are you on twitter uh, you can find me on Twitter at cstevens underscore journo. Most of my written work is at formulaspy.com and occasionally in Autosport Magazine and on .com and motorsport.com as well. And you can also listen to me on e-radio show live on Tuesday at 7pm for the Santiago E-Prix race review. Mm, your credits are better than mine. That's why I resent you. Let's move on. Comment of the week. Chris, I know you've been keeping track of these as well, but I'm always jealous of Matt being able to do this. So I'm going to go with the ones I've got. If you've got ones I don't, then tell me. Uh, we have James Fennell, too damn right, deliberately delaying answers for the quiz in the chat. Yes, I was looking. I was hoping someone was going to save me. Christopher Fonseca, I'm waiting for the live stream where Spanners is wearing diamond studded glasses, st saying, welcome to motorsport.com. Tag Hoya, Missed Apex podcast. Oh, we dream of the day that we have a red and white Missed Apex helicopter. Christopher Fonseca, don't worry, Chris Stevens. Spanners got an intelligence ballast from Catman F1. Artemy X says, physicality matters until our new robo race overlords finally start driving in circles for us. Christopher Fonseca, they should have a minimum BMI instead, so short drivers aren't at a disadvantage. Well, hmm, I might fail there as well. Evangelos, uh, Evangelos says, so uh, by only in one game, 
Stevens means he does not use the racing line in Call of Duty. Uh, and Steve Watley suggested force extradition, which made me laugh a lot. Ask me X again. Let's not forget that Ma- that McLaren really botched their car for years before Honda. Yeah, I always found that, Chris, a lot of cheek, wasn't it? That blaming uh, Honda when they couldn't beat the other Mercedes teams before that. Uh, go on. Well, I, it's an unknown story of the 2014 season, but it was the, to do with the fuel they were using. Because every, all the other Mercedes teams were using Petronas, I believe, and McLaren was still pushing with Mobile One. And they lost basically a second a lap just from that. Do you have any other comments or would you like to choose from the ones I've given you? Do I get to choose? Yeah, go on. Why not? Oh, what an honor. What an honor. I'm going to go for Christopher Fonseca. Don't worry, Chris Stevens. Spanner's only got an intelligence ballast. I can't believe I let you pick with that one available. Darn. Comment of the week. Look, thank you very much for bearing with us and our silly quiz. And thank you very much for your contributions uh, to give us things to talk about in the off-season, which is rapidly drawing to a close. Don't worry, there will be some cars on track before you know it. Until then, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. Joe's here on Wednesday, by the way. Chris, Ryan was all right. I don't know what you're on about. I think you should apologize to him. Never. I can actually see Ryan. <laughs> Turn on some lights or maybe we, got a lamp or we something. Made him, we made him buy light bulbs. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.